Welcome to another Directions Mag podcast, co-hosted with our friends at Eurissa. Today we have Dr. Matt Gerke with the Eurissa Education Committee chatting with Chris Dunn of GeoVelo about geospatial experts as witnesses. GIS professionals may be subject matter experts in many subject fields that are modeled in GIS, but may also be subject matter experts in geospatial technology. One of the niches of professional practice in providing public service is to serve as an expert witness in a court of law or a legal proceeding. With us today is Chris Dunn to talk about his experiences as a GIS professional and expert witness. Chris, please introduce yourself and tell us about how you became interested in serving as a geospatial expert witness. Okay, Matt. Uh... This story goes all the way back to the early 1980s uh, when I made my first shot at college and didn't really do that well. Uh, um, My GPA was pretty much a straight slope towards zero after four years. And so I realized I needed to do something different. Uh, I went into the Army and I saw a lot of the world got to travel and ended up uh, serving during Desert Storm as an explosive warnings disposal tech. And that was a fantastic job. I got to go all kinds of places and it fueled the geographer in me that I didn't know was there. And then after the army, I went to Kansas state um, to finish my bachelor's degree. And I was a much more serious student than I was before the army. And um, I took a general ed requirement course. It was a geography course and I just smoked it. I absolutely loved that course. I started talking with the professors and they said, Hey, would you like to come over and see the department? And then I went over and I saw the, the GIS lab and I was just hooked. It was, uh, you know, this is 30 years ago and I don't know if your listeners will even know what a 486 machine was with Windows. 3.1, running ARC Info 6. I mean, it was all command line. It was green screen. The plotters actually came over, grabbed ink pens, and then uh, moved across a sheet of static paper. You know, that's how you got something out of a graphic. And so they were the early days of GIS, obviously not, you know, all the way back at, uh, you know, the Roger Tomlinson early days, but uh, it was a really exciting time. And uh, then I kind of discovered that you could actually make a living in the field. And so it wasn't just a, a vanity degree. And I was got a bachelor's, got the master's, and was very happy and started off on my career. Um, eventually, after about 20 years of working in the public sector, the city, county, tribal, and federal level, I just wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. And so in... 2010, I made the decision to go to law school because I thought it would be a good combination. And I thought that I could somehow work in that, you know, uh, Venn diagram overlap between uh, geography and the law. And when I got to law school, nobody was writing articles about this. There wasn't much case law on it, but it was a really exciting time and um, finished my law degree. Uh, at the University of Missouri in 2014 and passed the bar that summer. And um, I thought I would work in planning and zoning law for a while. But during law school, I had the, pro- uh, the opportunity to work on a, 
uh, an innocence project case where there was a, a kid uh, who got sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole at 14 for a murder he absolutely did not commit. Um, and I was asked to make uh, some exhibits for that case. And that's kind of where this all started. And so uh, made the exhibits, testified in court for the basically the second time in my life and had a state's attorney general try to rough me up, but uh, the testimony survived and uh, they say it was essential to reversing the finding in his case. And so I was kind of hooked. It was uh, using geography for truth and justice. I mean, you can't, can't get more energized than that. So that's how I got here. So what does a normal project look like? Can you walk us through okay. an example from where you were brought on board uh, to the resolution of a case? Sure. Um, my clients, for the most part, are other attorneys. Sometimes they're civil attorneys. Sometimes they're criminal defense attorneys. Sometimes they're like the legal staff of a state or federal agency. I've also worked for state public defender's office, and I've done a bunch of pro bono work. And I also worked for uh, the Missouri Humanities Council. Um, uh, mapping some various uh, activities they're involved in. So there is no real typical project, but I can tell you that 90% um, of the stuff I do will never end up in court. It's more investigatory. It's, you know, running something down for the client, putting together a geospatial picture that they can look at and then make decisions uh, in their case on how they want to proceed. So sometimes it's property boundary disputes. Sometimes it's, you know, it's murders. Sometimes it's accident scenes. Sometimes it's investigatory stuff to find where historic events occurred. And so it's, there's no one real typical case. And a lot of times I'm getting challenges to do things I haven't done with the technology before. And um, a lot of times, you know, I'll have to say, hey, you know, I, I, I've not done this particular thing. And they go, well, nobody else is really working in this field. So could you give it a try? And so I, I, I like that because it's always stretching my geospatial skills. You know, um, when Arc Pro came up, uh, that was a, a, a stretch for me because I hadn't really uh, had a GIS course in years. And sometimes I'm using SketchUp to do a 3D model that I insert into a GIS, or sometimes I'm using LIDAR. And it's just, uh, every case is a little bit different and they're all exciting, so. Excellent, that, that sounds interesting because uh, uh, sometimes GIS professionals find themselves doing the same things uh, over and over again. And, and it sounds like uh, how, how, you're, how you're able to help is uh, really really pull pull a tool uh, or, or or a technique or a software or an application uh, out of the box where it really fits the the particular problem the particular challenge that uh, right that, that walks in the door. And a lot of times I find I I'm synthesizing incorporating the work of others, uh, where I'll analyze how an engineering firm created their GIS, or I'll incorporate the work of a surveyor, uh, or I'll incorporate, you know, engineering plans. And uh, 
you know, sometimes you're, you're using old uh, drawings from the eighties that you've got to geo rectify and then, you know, turn into some kind of vector uh, with some assurances of accuracy. Other times, you know, you're, gosh, those CAD formats that they're just so hard to sometimes bring over into GIS and make work. So it's it, all, the early days of my GIS experience was trying to figure out how to get something from one format to another. And here it is 30 years later, and I'm still beating my head against non-compatible formats and importing things. It's, it's kind of, it's a never ending story there. So, so what do the deliverables uh, uh, wind up looking like uh, if if you're you're working on a case or, or working with a client, are are you still making maps, or or what, what tends to be the, the, the most common uh, most common things that 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 kind of um, are, are used in these types of uh, situ situations and scenarios? You know, sometimes I'll shoot a client over a KMZ or a KML file. Sometimes. Uh, you know, I used to have an office in Jefferson City, and I had a big uh, conference room, but nobody wanted to come. What I find is my clients like it when I can show up in their office with a fast laptop and a second monitor, and then I can take them through the graphics I've prepared about their particular case. And sometimes I'm just, you know, uh, we all have a shared drive, and I'll drop a bunch of PDFs in there. Or there's other times where, um, you know, I'm, I've got a large format plotter in the basement, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make foam core exhibits, typically 20 by 30 is the sweet spot, not too big for the courtroom, not too small that they go unnoticed. And one of the, the major things attorneys like is to get the exhibits that they show the jury or the judge in court into the jury room. And uh, if you take that uh, image that was up on a PDF, and you also present it on a piece of foam core on an easel in front of the jury, that can go back into the room with the jury. And so they can see these things, they can look at them in detail. And so the other thing I try to do that's not really a deliverable is I try to coach my attorney clients on how people relate to geospatial images. And you know, we all know that not everybody is uh, geospatially, I, I call it geospatial blindness. And, you know, so when you're selecting the jury and if the case hinges on where something was and you're bringing evidence to support that, you've got to be able to ensure that your jury is actually capable of seeing what you're presenting. And so I, I'll coach them on how to you know, ask jurors questions in a way that reveals whether, you know, they can find their car in a parking lot or they can read a map. And so, you know, I'm just the, the geography coach on, on, a, on a team. And so that's kind of my deliverable. So it, it's, it's interesting to me that, that you kind of uh, uh, frame yourself as, as a geography coach because uh, uh, spatial thinking is, is, uh, a skill and, and, and a tool that, that some folks use and practice a lot and, and some don't. But I, I, I wonder what happens if, if, if we flip it on its head a little bit, because mm -hmm. when we work on regular geospatial projects, you know, that there are some things that we probably always do or always probably should do and, and kind of best practices. 
I, I wonder, are, are there any, any things you do different if you're working with geospatial technology and, and it's, it's an expert witness case or it's something that, that, that yes. may affect a court proceeding? Can you tell us a little bit one, about that? Yeah, I think one of the things that would shock your listeners is I don't produce a lot of metadata for the, um, the layers I develop um, because those layers are never released into the wild and they're always the uh, work product that's the attorney-client work product. And the only thing that gets out into the public domain are, you know, the end examples, you know, the PDFs or the JPEGs that I produce. I don't produce that standardized metadata. Um, I do for a couple of clients. But what I do differently is because of discovery, and if you remember my cousin Vinny, you know, you ask the other attorney for everything you're producing. And once an attorney decides they're going to use me in court, we're duly, you know, we're obligated to provide a fair and accurate uh, copy of my work product. And so what I'll do is I'll um, make a report that lists every single layer, you know, the scale, the projection and the source and, um, you know, possibly even the symbology. In addition to, I provide the other side with the MXD and I'll, you know, make up a GDB with all of the, you know, uh, the data inside. And so they can take it, they can tear it apart and they can make a judgment on, you know, whether this is, you know, uh, a good quality map that can't be beat up in court. And so why bother attacking it? Or, you know, if they find a flaw, which they haven't so far, um, you know, it, it makes that encounter in court fair for both sides. So everything is well documented. It's just not documented in a way where you'd hang it on a, a publicly accessible website. Sometimes a GIS technician or a manager, especially if they work in, in local government or regional government, may be subpoenaed to testify. Beyond being scary, what legal nuances does this raise for GIS professionals? Okay, this is the most important question I think you probably asked me, and it's the one I really hope to address um, when I talk with you about doing this uh, podcast. Um, every city, county, tribal, federal organization that the majority of this audience works for has an attorney. And what GIS techs need to understand is that attorney is not their attorney. 99 times out of 100, your interests will be aligned. And frankly, most technical professional testimony is not very controversial. And it's just there to establish, um, you know, uh, a case that will be built further with other information. But there are times occasionally where your own attorney may need to throw you under the bus in order to resolve the case to its organizational satisfaction. And, and while that is rare, it does occur. And I, I know this not from personal experience, but what I've got is I've got one of those Google searches where I am constantly looking at uh, geospatial case law, where if any of these 20 terms I've got out there in the search engine come across, I'll get the case where one of our 
you know, fellow Texas testified. And you can see sometimes that if the tech has made a, a mistake, um, sometimes, you know, there's a little sacrifice on the altar for him. So that's something to be aware of. It's really uncommon, but it does occur. Um, let's see what else. Always tell the truth. If you're on the stand, don't shade things to make your side look better. Just tell the truth, but be candid or not candid, be concise. You know, um, your, your side probably doesn't want you to elaborate. They just want you to answer the questions as, as quickly as you can. Now, if your organization is planning on going to court and you've, they've got good attorneys, they will probably take you through a thing where um, they, we call it witness prep, where you sit down with the witness. You, you may even take them over to the courthouse and show them the room and say, okay, this is what we're going to ask you to testify on. These are the kind of questions we're going to ask you. Would you like to run through your answers? And they, they're a good attorney won't shape or, or mold your answers. They will just let you answer, but they may say, Hey, okay, that was a little long winded or Hey, that was a little too technical. Um, the first couple of times I was testifying, all of the attorneys told me, dumb it down, dumb it down, you know, take it down. Use simpler words, uh, not so much, uh, tech geek speak. And so, that's witness prep, and that's an entirely legitimate activity on, on your witness's side. And sometimes they'll also prep you for a deposition. And a, now, deposition is a, sometimes it's a more confrontational style of interview that's taken under oath. And most technical witnesses don't receive a really hard grilling unless the crux of the case is in the technicalities. For instance, a lot of times a GIS person will be asked to provide a map that shows the 2,000 foot from the school zone, drug-free zone. And, you know, so they're brought up on stand. How did you produce this map? What did you produce it from? And a lot of times the other side will stipulate and just say, yeah, that's an accurate map. And then you move on. But that, that tech had to be in court to provide foundation for that bit of evidence. And so... In depositions, in court testimony, there's not, you're very unlikely to have a really confrontational TV style, you know, cross-examination by the other side. But you don't have to answer instantly. And if it does kind of take that turn, think about it. Answer slowly, answer accurately, and then concisely. Now, the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a courtroom was where I was presenting exhibits. And this was a case that involved the state's attorney general's office. And the guy who was cross-examining me was kind of putting on this show of purposely not understanding what I was presenting. And he did that to cast doubt on the quality of the exhibits I had produced. He wasn't very effective. You know, it's like, I, I, I brought in a couple of graphics and he would point off in space, not actually on the graphics and ask me what was occurring here. And then I'd talk about, well, if this was, you know, an actual 3d model and that location would be something. And it was sort of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was just incredulous, incredulous, you know, one of those big words that says, I don't understand what you're saying and no one else could either. 
And so that was a little weird, um, but it has happened in the past. Um, if you're going into court and you've prepared an exhibit and say the sheriff's using something you produced or the prosecuting attorney's using something you produced, you need to know what the layers were, what the projection was, what the units were. You need to know how that was built. And if uh, one of your subordinates built it, they should probably be testifying. Or, you know, if, if you know something's going to court and you've got the technical skills, you should do it or um, otherwise have the person that created uh, the uh, evidence go in, in your stead. So um, let's see, what else can I tell you about? Um, if you're ever asked to bend the truth or to lie on the stand, uh, the first thing you do is make a noncommittal answer and you go find yourself your own attorney because things are getting a, a little dicey. So. That's about it, Matt. What do you think? So, so that's great. There, there are lots of good tips, uh, both uh, general uh, for professionals, but also some uh, some interesting things to consider uh, if if you get in the into the area of producing evidence or, or serving as an expert witness. What recommendations or advice uh, would you give to GIS professionals that that might be interested in getting in into this area? And, and working to uh, produce exhibits for evidence or, or working as an expert witness using geospatial technology? Um, you've got a golden opportunity to work in an area where you can be radically committed to the truth. You can get up every day and know your work is good and that no matter what the situation is, you're going to produce the most truthful and accurate exhibit possible and let the chips fall where they may. And the, the thing is, is, I've worked with a lot of really ethical attorneys. I've never had a single attorney ask me to tip the scale or, you know, have something move, a, you know, move the needle. And that is just has been an amazing experience. I didn't always expect that. But occasionally, you will lose a job, a potential job, if if you make it very clear up front to your client that you're going to produce the exhibit and the things will be the way they are as, as close as you can determine, and that may not always be in their favor. Now, I've had an attorney that's hired me for several cases, and several times I've I've run the GIS, I've done the investigation, I've gone out with my GNSS stick, and I've had to come back to them and say, hey, this doesn't work for you. And they're accepting of that because at least they know they can't take that case forward and expect to win. So they go back to their client and say, hey, you know, our initial investigation said this. Um, to confirm that, you can hire a surveyor to go out and, you know, really nail this down in a much more precise manner. You know, I'm using a mapping grade uh, GNSS device specifically. So, I don't tread on the surveyor's um, territory. And a lot of the times what I've, I'm asked to do is do that initial investigation, do some geo-rectification of some aerial photos, you know, download some stuff from the state data center, put it all together, and then they'll decide whether, you know, um, it stands up and, and they want to invest the money that, you know, it might cost to survey, you know, 
several sections of ground. Um, I think people are uh, better off if they've got a lot of skills and, you know, kind of the human Swiss army knife approach to things. You're not going to know um, how to do everything on every single case. Now you've got an ethical obligation to your clients to tell them, Hey, I've never done this, you know, uh, several years ago, I'd never incorporated LIDAR into a project and I had to say, I don't know how to do this. And they said, that's fine. We can't find anybody else that does what you do. So we'll pay you to learn. And that's fantastic. Um, the other thing is just recognize that a lot of humanity is spatially blind and, um, advise your clients, you know, you don't want to discriminate against potential jury members for things that, you know, are um, protected characteristics, that sort of thing. But it is perfectly valid if it's, if a case is spatial to suggest that people who can't find their own home on a county map in a rural jury, um, you know, aren't on the jury. So I think that's a fair way of doing voir dire. Um, understand that being an entrepreneurial is uh, feast and famine and that uh, it might take a few years to get established. And unfortunately, you need some credentials behind your name. Um, I know there are people out there that, that work GIS that don't have much, uh, you know, fancy lettering behind their name, but they're really good. But when an attorney is going to use you in a court of law, they need to be able to uh, you know, present you as an expert. And in Missouri, the judge decides whether you cut the mustard and whether you've had enough education and experience to be uh, legitimately presented in a court of law as an expert. So um, the other thing is show up on time, do what you say you're going to do and clean up your mess before you leave. That's the best business plan there is. Excellent. Well, well thank you, Chris, for sharing your thoughts on uh, on uh, geospatial professionals uh, serving as as expert witnesses. And uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to to this edition of the Eurissa Directions Magazine podcast series.